Now, so when is all this happening? Remember that we just finished in chapter uh, 19. Uh, there's rejoicing in, in heaven, the marriage feast of the Lamb, and um, Jesus returns um, as, the, as the mighty warrior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And uh, from his mouth comes this fiery sword, and uh, I take that to mean that uh, he came and he wiped out the enemies at what we call the Battle of Armageddon. He wipes out the enemies with a word, just like he spoke the worlds into existence. He now wipes out his enemies with just a word. And the Battle of Armageddon is done instantly. It's not a long, drawn-out battle. Once the Battle of Armageddon is completed, then in chapter 20... John sees the angel coming. He holds the key and the chain. This angel seizes the dragon. I, I also want to point out uh, something I've pointed out to you a, a couple of times as we've worked through the book of Revelation. Notice that it is an angel who seizes the dragon, wraps the chain in him, and throws him into the bottomless pit. It is an angel. Remember, that's the level of uh, Satan's power. Satan is not equal to God, nor is he equal to God the Son, Jesus. He is merely an angelic being. And so an angel, I kind of wonder if perhaps Michael, but we don't know that. An angel gets the chain, binds him up, throws him into the bottomless pit. And it says that he is bound there for a thousand years years locked up in a bottomless pit I, I just I hate falling you know I don't I don't like um, uh, roller coasters I like speed I like spinning I can do all of those carnival rides that spin you around and and I don't mind climbing but I cannot stand that falling feeling what must it be to fall for a thousand years what is the bottomless pit? What, what experience must that be? I'm not even real fond of jumping out of the bed in the morning. That's a little, that's, uh, yeah, feel that gravity. I'm... So, so he is bound, thrown into this bottomless pit for a thousand years. It is shut up and sealed over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. That actually sums up the, the, the millennium, the, the thousand years. Satan is out of the picture. Now, that is incredible to me when we find out more of what happens during, the, during that time. But Satan is out of the picture. He cannot tempt man. He cannot mess with man during that time. Okay? After that time, he is released for a little while. He gets one more chance to mess men's minds up if they choose to follow him, which they do. And then he too is destroyed and thrown into the lake of fire. All right, verse 4, he says, I saw thrones. And seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast 
or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. Uh, that verse actually is one of the most debated verses, believe it or not. Um, because is this talking about one group of people? Um, is this talking about two groups of people? Um, and, and, and usually, depending on what you think about when the rapture happens, decides how you interpret that verse. The, when it says, I saw thrones, um, many people believe that John sees literal thrones, and since the image has come out of heaven, this is seen as literal thrones that will be set up on what earth is going to become during that thousand years, and believers will sit on those thrones uh, reigning right along with, with Jesus. Uh, many people and I think I fall into this camp, uh, see that, men, that, that the other times in Revelation when John saw a vision up there, the, the specifics were, uh, were more symbolic. And that's how I take thrones in this case. Uh, but on those thrones are those to whom authority to judge has been committed. And that has to be believers. That has to be Christians. We know that, that that's the promise, that believers will be given that authority to judge during this time. And then um, the souls of those beheaded, those who were martyred during the tribulation, and then those who did not worship the beast, those who survived the tribulation and were believers, faithful believers. So the, the group that he sees has to be believers. And it says they come to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And it is, it is here and in the next, next uh, few verses that many of us see the rapture. That this is the time when dead believers now come to life and those who are already with Christ come with him when he, come, he comes one time. Um, there, if the rapture happens at the end of the tribulation, then Jesus only has to come one time. If it happens at the beginning, then he comes at the beginning to rapture all the believers. And then he comes again after the tribulation for this event. Um, and the, the valid argument on that is the first time he doesn't actually come to earth. If, if the rapture happened first, before the tribulation, the valid argument is that that's not really the second coming because he comes in the air and we go up to meet him in the air. So he hasn't actually come to the earth. And that's, that's worth considering. And, and again, that's, that's where theologians just have fun with this stuff because the theologians in my school would say that uh, Christians, after that resurrection at the end of tribulation, there is the rapture 
and the resurrection of the dead. It all happens at the same moment. And then we rule in what might be referred to as resurrection bodies, different kinds of bodies, similar to whatever Jesus may have had after Easter. We're ruling over um, the, the nations, the, 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 the people who were here. At the Battle of Armageddon, it's the, it's the kings, the leaders, it's the kings who get destroyed, and there are people still here. But let, let's, let's keep plodding along here. The, 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 here, it, it did say in verse uh, 4, um, the believers come to life, reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Who are the rest of the dead? Those are, those are people who have died without Christ, the, 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 uh, the non-believers, ungodly people who have died. And then that, last, that, that next phrase is what I kind of hang my hat on. This is the first resurrection. So that's why I feel like all this happens after the tribulation. Dead in Christ rise, believers are raptured, and this is the first resurrection. If, if we had believers who came back to life before the tribulation, that was the first resurrection. Verse 6 now, blessed and holy is the one who shares in this first resurrection. By the way, that's the sixth beatitude in the book of Revelation. The sixth time it says, blessed are those. Um, and there's a seventh to come. Over such a second, over such, the second death has no power. So what is that? Remember, I'm... I believe verse 4 says believers, all, the, all believers either come to life or are raptured together with him to begin this thousand year reign. And it is these now who never experience the second death. Well, what is the second death? Well, let's, let's think about it. Remember John chapter 3? Nicodemus shows up to talk to Jesus. And I love the phrase there. It says he came by night. And that by is used the same way that you would use it, that you would use the word to say, um, we, went to, uh, we went to New York by plane. It was the means by which you traveled. That's the word that's used when it says Nicodemus came by night. It doesn't just mean he showed up when it was dark outside, but he used that darkness that night to come to Jesus in secrecy all right so he comes to Jesus and says uh, what do I have to do to get you know to, to 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 be right with God to be real and Jesus says what you must be born again well, wait a minute I've already been born how can I crawl back into my mother's womb no you don't get it Nicodemus that's your physical birth you have to have a spiritual birth as well did you know the same thing is true about death there is a physical death and then you either enter into life or you experience a second death a spiritual death now those of us who those of us who have trusted in Christ um, as uh, as Jesus says in I think it's John 11 the the story of Lazarus um, those who believe in me will never die 
you don't have the second death. And so we get to go straight into his presence where we live spiritually forever. So over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay? Now, what I think is actually supposed to be the primary point of this chapter, or the first half of the chapter anyway, I really don't think the primary point is figuring out the details of the, of, of the, the timing of the thousand years. I think that he's building up to this next paragraph. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. So during that thousand years, there are a lot of people, four corners of the earth, and he gets to come out and deceive them one more time. There's a mention of Gog and Magog. And uh, believe it or not, there's a lot of question over how we, de determine, how we define that. But you remember Gog and Magog. Magog was um, an, a nation that was God's enemy. Um, uh, Gog was the, the prince or the king of this nation, Magog. And there's a battle that takes place in the Old Testament. I really don't think that that battle and this one are supposed to be the same thing. I really think that this reference is a reminder of how those nations were enemies of God and God had to defeat them. It's the same thing will happen here, the nations that are enemies of God to gather and it says, uh, the last part of verse 8, the nation, that, that, that the, uh, the enemy, the Satan, will come and deceive the nations, like Gog and Magog, gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. So there are, this is what blows my mind. At the end of a thousand years, when Satan has not been there to mess up people's minds, the false prophet has not been there to misdirect them. The Antichrist has not been there to deceive them. They have even seen with their own eyes the Lord Jesus Christ and his people reigning over them. They have seen what happens when people disobey because that's what it means to reign. They, Christ and his people have have been carrying out God's will against the evil all this time. Even after a thousand years of seeing all that, the world now is populated like the grains of sand on, uh, uh, like the grains of sand with people who still reject God. Exactly. That, I think, that is the main point of the thousand years. If, whether, whether rapture happens before tribulation or after, this point, it doesn't matter. If we have already been raptured, Antichrist, the beast, and uh, the false prophet have already been thrown into the lake of fire. Satan has been set aside. Why are we waiting another thousand years before the, 
the new heaven. I honestly think the only reason is to make this point clear. That in that thousand years, people still turn away from God. Why? Because you can't blame the devil. The devil made me do it, and I'll flip Wilson. doesn't work anymore. He's gone. But the reason they reject God is because the human heart above all things is evil. It makes the point that without God, man is evil. A thousand years of people have just proved it because there was no reason for them to turn away from God. At the end of that thousand years, after, after uh, people have had number of generations, during those generations they've turned away from God, and now it's like sand of the sea. Verse 9, they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Uh, if this is speaking literally, then the idea is that Jesus has set up his rule and his reign there in Jerusalem. Um, Israel has been restored, perhaps, to, to restore that uh, holy city as well, that beloved city in a, in a way as well. But it says, fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So after the thousand years, he comes out, Satan comes out one more time just to gather all those, those people against God. He gathers them in one place. He, they think they're coming for a fight. Really, they're just making a target for, for God to send down that fire and there you go, it's done. And then Satan is finally thrown into the lake of fire where he joins his two buddies and they spend all of eternity being tormented. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence. Earth and sky fled away. No place was found for them. You know, we wind up with a new heaven and a new earth. I had never really caught the, that phrase before that at the end of the thousand years, Satan is finally defeated and thrown into the lake of fire and and then there's the great white throne. And the great white throne with the Lord himself seated on it is so powerful that from his presence, earth and sky fled away. Everything just falls apart, falls away. Because by now we are uh, believers, are um, in some form of resurrected bodies, and we are spirit people uh, reigning with Christ. So earth goes away. Heaven meaning sky. Sky goes away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. All right, remember we said that there was a first resurrection of believing people at the beginning of this thousand years. Then there would be a second resurrection of the people who didn't follow God. That's what we're experiencing in these verses. All these dead, now they're standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book 
of life. What we've got here is books are opened that um, are used as evidence against those who have turned away from God. <coughs> books are opened that say, look, you broke this commandment. You, you didn't believe Jesus. You, 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 know, you, you talked back to your mama, whatever. And there is the book of life that is opened. Now, why would we open the book of life? I think it is to say, all right, I see in these books all this bad stuff you did. But let me double check and make sure you're not in the book of life. Nah, you're not there. And if you're not in this book, then guess what? We have to go by these books. Right? So he, he says... Um, <coughs> Uh, in the middle of 12, the books were open. Another book was open, the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Um, you may hear the term Bema seat. I think Bema seat is different than this. I think Bema seat is um, the judgment of uh, when, when Christ judges believers. We'll stand before Christ as well. That is a different event. At that event, we are not judged for punishment of our deeds, but we are judged to receive rewards for our deeds. Why? Because our name is in the other book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And it is when we stand before him at the Bema seat, the seat of judgment, that Christ rewards believers for their deeds that are done in his name. Remember, the Bible talks about um, that everything you've ever done is going to get burned up in fire. And the stuff that lasts, the stuff that was pure for God, that's the stuff that you're going to get rewarded for. All right? That's different than this. The great white throne is the judgment of the unbelieving dead. And they are judged for their, their sins. Because their name doesn't appear in the Lamb's Book of Life, their sins have not been paid for, not been taken care of. So they are judged for their deeds. 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and Hades. You see, that's... Dan, that's where some get the idea of this temporary holding place for those who are going to wind up in the lake of fire. Um, the, uh, the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades um, gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Isn't it good to know we're not going to be judged for our eternal position based on what we've done because our eternal position is determined by what Jesus has done on our behalf. They who rejected Jesus, they have to get judged on their own deeds. All right? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And there is 
a thousand years. We let Satan out long enough to gather the people. God wipes them out. So now everybody has, has died at least once. <laughs> Everyone at this point has died at least once. Believers don't face a second death. They go into glory with him. Non-believers face a second death, a spiritual death described as a lake of fire. And we are in that, that position from now on. Fortunately, uh, we then get to uh, get a glimpse of what our experience will be like once we, uh, once we now enter into eternity. Uh, avoiding the second death means that we get to live forever. What does that look like? Well, that's chapters 21 and 22. And we'll spend some fun time in chapters 21 and 22.